welcome to a beer-filled episode of Cracking One Open. They're always <laughs> filled with beer, but this one may be a little more so. Overpoured. Ooh, overpoured. Presented <laughs> by Cracking One Open. <laughs> Ooh, we could make this a series, Ooh. like a side series. I, I think the overpoured should be like when we have all the pumpkin beers and all yeah. the Christmas beers. <gasps> when we drink so many, we just get absolutely slashed recording the podcast. Yes. You're seeing how the sausage is made, folks. That's right. Could you maybe do the next uh, overboard can be when uh, you do the Saison challenge for me? There we go. I'm just like, oh. I got to get on that. You know, I know it's only August, but mm-hmm. pumpkin beer season's coming up soon. It's true. The autumn stuff is already out. The rematch might have to happen. Who are we? I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. <laughs> Welcome to Cracking One Open. <laughs> Whatever. They know by now. They love do us. they? I don't know. <laughs> I hope. I'm sorry if this is your first episode and you're extremely confused. <laughs> Basically, this is it. No, I'm just kidding. All right, baby. <laughs> what are we drinking today? This week. Wait, wait. What? Not just drinking, but also learning. This is educational. It is. All right, continue. So this week we are cracking open Guaybera from Cigar City Brewing, which is located in Tampa, Florida. Cigar City was founded back in 2007 by Joey Redner, who had previously worked at, I don't know how to say this, Dunedin, Dunedin Brewery, which is apparently Florida's oldest microbrewery. And he was also the beer writer for the Tampa Bay Times. Ooh. I want to be a beer writer. That sounds sounds freaking awesome. Right? So after developing the space for the brewery and finding a brewmaster, Cigar City brewed its first beer in 2009, which was Maduro Brown Ale. And apparently, I didn't know this, but Maduro is the name for the wrapper, the brown wrapper of a cigar. I feel like I knew that somewhere deep inside somewhere my brain Somewhere deep inside your case, brain files, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so since 2009, uh, according to Wikipedia, um, they have brewed over six thousand individual brands of beer which i assume brands refers to like the different names different styles whatever but damn that's a lot of beer that sounds like a lot yeah and since 2009 the brewery has expanded to include a 15 bbl and a 30 bbl brew house a packaging hall and a tasting room with 24 tap lines just for the record, because yep. that math astonishes me with the 6,000. Mm-hmm. If you divide that by the 11 years they've been open, that is 545.454545 quote unquote brands or flavors a year. Yeah, I I really want to know what brands means. That's crazy. Yeah. It means they're putting out almost two a day. And they're not open. They're not pumping them out seven days a week. I'm sure different flavors anyway. Yeah. What's up with your, what's oh, up with man. those numbers, Wikipedia? I mean, if those are your numbers. Whew. Yeah. That's cray cray. So they do produce 170,000 barrels of beer annually uh, with distribution in 39 states in the U.S. as well as nearly a dozen international markets. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I can't remember whether we had High Lie first up here in Connecticut or while we were down in Orlando, but that one is a damn good IPA. And if it's on draft, you can... Bet your bottom dollar I'm ordering it. <laughs> you do quite like that. I do. That's kind of like the standard. They almost always, it seemed in Universal, mm-hmm. almost always had that on draft. At every at given every different restaurant. place they had draft, yeah. yeah. And Highlight actually currently accounts for 55% of Cigar City's annual production. Ooh. Yeah. So it's a popular one. 
but they also make an imperial stout with an insane cult-like following. It's called uh, Hunapu's Imperial Stout. <laughs> and they have released it every March since 2010. But the only catch is they only pour it at the Hunapu's Day Festival, which is attended annually by about 5,000 craft beer fans. <whistles> yeah. To be fair, it sounds quite delicious. The stout is made with cinnamon, vanilla, cacao nibs, and chili peppers. I know I'm down. Yeah. Mm, you say it sounds delicious, but I don't think it'd be for you. You're not a big stout person in general. Not really imperial stout uh, on top of that. I'd give it a try, though. It sounds really good. Mm. So the name of the beer and the festival uh, refers to the story of the hero twins from Mayan mythology. As it is told, according to Cigar City's website, quote, after the twins' father was murdered by evil deities, Zibalba. Um, oh, hold on. Let me start that. The pod racer? <laughs> <laughs> Zibalba always wins. Pumpity <laughs> 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 monkey don't go. <laughs> Damn it. I got to start that. that over. I knew that would work. <sighs> you could start it over, but you're keeping that in. <laughs> no, that's going on. That one. The blooper reel. Mm. So as it is told, according to Cigar City's website, quote, after the twins father was murdered by evil deities from Zibalba, his corpse became a cacao tree that spawned our two heroes, Zibalange and Hunapu. Epic adv adventures followed, culminating in a journey to Zabalba to avenge their father's death. Vanquishing their enemies handily, the heroes then ascended unto the heavens where they became the sun and the moon. End quote. It's a pretty epic story. So, as of March 2016, <laughs> Cigar City Brewing partnered with Oscar Blues Brewery, which is based in Longmont, Colorado, to form Canarchy... <laughs> Craft Brewery Collective, which includes Oscar Blues, Cigar City, Perrin Brewing, and the Utah Brewers Cooperative, and that includes the Wasatch and Squatters brands. This is the perfect time for me to talk about, uh, just quickly, Yeah, that Oscar Blues yeah. has just put out a French's I'm Mustard Beer. <sighs> were you about to talk about that? No, but I oh. knew you were going to bring it up. So <laughs> there's a French's Mustard Beer out there, and I need to get it. Not because I want it. Not because I'm the biggest fan of mustard. I'll put it on my hamburgers and hot dogs. But, and I guess my sausages and kielbasa. All right, I like mustard, but not <laughs> enough to like drink it. But I am really curious about this beer. They may, It's a fruity IPA, mm -hmm. but it's also got mustard in it. Yeah, They are so proud of this beer that they have put the instructions to make your own French's mustard homebrew beer <laughs> an exact layer, like their exact recipe on the website to make your own homebrew if you can't find it. I need to get me some of this beer. Just like a can or two, just to try it. I am morbidly curious what oh, yeah. mustard, like what flavors mustard would lend to a beer. But at the same time, it sounds so gross. Oh, yeah. That's why we would record that as a special episode, a bonus episode. Because uh -huh. it probably would be pretty short when you gagged on it right away. Yeah. And we'd also have to record your reaction for YouTube purposes. Mm. But yes, I will get this French's Oscar Blues beer. Ugh. I will probably gag right alongside you. But I am so curious that I have to try it. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled uh, beer programming. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Guaybera. First off, do you know what a Guaybera is? No. Mm. 
So it's a style of men's summer shirt. Uh, it's known in Mexico as a Yucatan shirt. I know that. There we go. Okay. So it's worn outside the trousers and it has two vertical rows of closely sewn pleats running up and down the length of the shirt, front and back. And it's made of either linen, silk, or cotton, something appropriate for hot weather. So, yeah, you, I mean, you you would know it if you saw one. They are extremely popular in uh, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Central and South America and Spain and Portugal. And in a few of those places, especially Cuba, it's considered formal wear, like hmm. for weddings even. I didn't really plan on giving a clothing lesson this episode, but <laughs> it's in the name of the beer. So here we are. Can I have a Yucatan shirt? Why not? You've already got a Hawaiian shirt obsession. So Yeah, but those kind of like I can wear those in the summertime in Connecticut. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't really get hot enough for long enough to warrant that here. Mm. But when I am 98 years old and we've retired, and I am retired in Florida, <laughs> you bet your ass I'll be wearing a Yucatan shirt <laughs> or a Guaybera. Yeah. It's a Yucatan shirt. I'm not calling it a Guaybera. <laughs> but that's the name of the beer this week. Sorry, I guess I'll call it a Guaybera. At least for the next hour. <laughs> so uh, traditional through Latin America, the Guaybera shirt combines style, functionality, form, and tradition in its four-pocketed design. We at Cigar City Brewing feel the same reverence and appreciate... This is their description. I, 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 I didn't mention that. Yeah. I got that. Um, feel the same reverence and appreciation for the Guaybera that we do for the Citra Hop Varietal, an ingredient that imparts notes of tangerine, lime, and berries to this traditional American pale ale. The exclusive use of citra hops in this beer creates a flavor that's at once unique and recognizable, while its dry, crisp character and moderate alcohol make it as refreshing and functional as a crisp linen guaybera. I wonder if they had the beer and were like, this is crisp and refreshing. Mm -hmm. It's like wearing a guaybera in the middle of a hot day, right? <laughs> like, was that their first thought? Was that their first like, thought? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it totally is. It's like not wearing your pants in a really hot apartment. Mm. <laughs> no, we can't call it that. You know who would call it that, though? Uh, evil twin. Evil twin. Or yeah. clown shoes. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, as mentioned in Cigar City's description, Citra is the exclusive hop used for Guaybera, which the idea of single hop beer is definitely not unheard of. It's... Not a technique used all the time, uh, but it does seem to be coming more trendy recently. Single hop beers give both drinkers and brewers an education in the unique flavors and aromas of a specific hop, um, allowing them to both better understand that hop's character. Other popular beers that utilize only one hop include Bell's Two Hearted, which we both enjoy. Quite oh, I didn't a bit. know that only used one hop. Mm -hmm. And Founder Centennial. Another one I like as well. Agreed. Now, Founder Brewing Co.'s brewmaster, Jeremy Kosmicki, says, quote, few hops smell the same in raw hop form as they do in the finished product. The easiest way to evaluate a hop is to brew a single hop beer with it and see how it works in the bittering flavor and aroma. Really figure out what a hop has to offer. So like I mentioned, Founder Centennial is a big one that only uses one hop, but they also recently added two more single hop beers, Mosaic Promise and Azaka IPA. So I think that's a really interesting concept. We always talk about how we want to learn more about what each hop gives to the beer. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should seek these out so that we can. That's also similar to um, our local, the Two Roads Brewery mm -hmm. does their shop series. Yes. 
but I think it is a slightly different beer each. It's never exactly the same. No, they have the same base for it, and then they, yeah. Tinker with that. Yeah. What I would think would be cool is, yeah, like how Founders doing. Let's say you go into a brewery, Mm -hmm. and they always have four taps that's always the same beer, but with a different hop. I mean, you're going to sacrifice a whole vat to make those beers all the time, but at least that way, maybe even just for the brewery tours, they can be like samplers and be like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Drink this beer with these or the five. And now which of these hops do you like? So that does sound like a good idea, but I don't know if it's practical. So as a side note, um, single hop beers often require more hops to achieve the desired flavor and aroma. And since they depend so heavily on only one variety, the cost of all those extra hops adds up really fast. I stand correct. (laughs) (laughs) Combine that with the difficulty of choosing one hop varietal to showcase. And I'm totally just speculating, but yeah, I'm going to guess that's why we don't see single hop beers very often. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Whoops. That's fine. So, Citra, we meet again. And again. And again. And again. And again. And again. <laughs> so, are you just going to plug in one of the other times you talked about Citra? <laughs> no, I, I do try to like change it up, switch it up a little bit <laughs> as much as I can. So, its lineage includes Haller Tower Mittelfra and Tetnanger. Uh, say we- it correctly. Haller Tower Middlefra. Thank you. In <laughs> uh, Tetnanger, which we I we just talked about maybe two episodes ago. We talked was about it for the Colch? Yeah. Last um, week. <laughs> as well as Brewers Gold and East Kent Golding. It has a strong citrusy profile due to its high mercine content. And its flavor profile uh, includes a wide range from grapefruit, lime, and tropical fruits to bright orange, mango lychee and gooseberry but it also tends to have a harsh bitterness which i think makes it all that much more interesting why they chose to work with this hop for a single hop beer i can only imagine how challenging it would be to toe that line between the bitterness that you expect and being just like way too much Mm -hmm. so what do you say shall we crack it open okay okay let's crack it Ooh, that we, was like simultaneous. Yeah, we were very simultaneous Whoa. on that one. I can smell it. Like as soon as it cracked, I could smell that citra. It smells like a hop. <laughs> like a hop. I'm really interested to see if it's got these flavors it talked about because I'm so used to like citra to beer just tasting like citra beer or mm-hmm. being used in something that's like the apricot and this and that. Yeah. But this is supposed to be tangerine, lime, and... This is... Uh, grapefruit, lime, and berry. I, I think. didn't see tangerine. Yeah. Ta- oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Tangerine, lime, and berry. Okay. That's what I thought. So I'm excited about this because it's not grapefruit yeah. or uh, apricot for a citra with a citra thing. And it's a tropically, I think, feel. At least the can has a tropical kind of feel. So, mm-hmm. but it's, it looks nice. It's a kind of a golden color, not hazy, decent carbonation, not a huge head. Nope. A little dark, a little hazy. I mean, not hazy as in like a hazy beer, but it's, yeah, yeah, I thought it'd be a little more clear. (laughs) You ready? Yeah, I kind of figured it would be clearer like the the lagers that we've been drinking lately. Yes, because it's only got the one hop. Yeah. So I figured it's got to be, it looked a little cleaner, yeah. Yeah. Good word. That's what I was going to (laughs) use. Clink. Ah, clink. Oh, that is crisp. 
crisp AF and it does hit you like right in the right where like Sour Patch Kids hit me. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're not as sensitive to bitter sour as I am. You mean because I can eat an entire one pound bag of Sour Patch Kids? Yeah. (laughs) But no, I do feel it a little bit. I do feel that tingle. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to taste the tangerine and the berries. But I I got to say, I'm tasting just a whole lot of citra hops. I am not getting berry, but I feel like I can discern the tangerine and maybe a little bit of the lime. I can't get the lime either. I was really excited when you said lime. It was like, what? Lime? Yes. I wonder if this is a beer that would go well with a a lime wedge. I don't know. You bought a double stack of these boys because you figured we'd like them. So we got enough. No, it came in a six pack. Oh, it came in a six pack? Yeah. Okay. Well, then we still have quite a few to experiment extra with. To throw a couple of limes in there, see what, what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get a lot of the citra. As it calms down in my glass, I do get that hint of berry. It's a very slight hint. So what do you mean by the berry? Is it like a sweetness? Is it a specific berry? Because I'm, I'm still not getting it. Please hold. Let me try one more sip. <laughs> it's this very subtle hint of like, uh, it's definitely not strawberry. But blueberry, I want to say blueberry. I could be, I could be absolutely wrong. It could be raspberry or friggin' gooseberry for all I know. <laughs> but I think it's I mean, blueberry. that would make sense because gooseberry is the only berry that they really listed. I don't imagine that that lychee is technically a berry. But it's just, it's right off, it's right off the front end. You drink it, citra, berry. It's just there, like blinking, you miss it kind of a flavor. Hmm. The longer the beer is in the glass, I think the more I get each sip a little bit of it. Yeah, that's true. Like even even after just I've taken like what, two or three sips now, I feel like it's changing. And I don't know whether it's due to the shape of the glass. We're drinking out of two differently shaped glasses. You have a pint glass and I have I don't know what this is called. It's a wide, wide mouth glass, I guess. Um, So I feel like that could contribute to a difference in our flavor perception as well as the fact that the glasses were frozen when we poured them and now they're cooling down or warming up, I guess, <laughs> really fast because the apartment's hot because we have to turn the fans off and the air conditioning off to record. <laughs> I think we talked about it. I talked about it last episode that the temperature, you know, the temperature really definitely contributes affects, I mean, even, to the flavor. Uh, Millhouse for the last episode for the cold one had the temperatures yeah. you should drink the beer at. Yeah. Like the berry I'm getting isn't sweet and it's mm-hmm. not sour. It's just... There, the the flavor, not anything else, just the flavor. I don't think it give, it's giving it any extra sweetness or that sourness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if maybe the lime is contributing to the sourness here off the front end, or that's just the bitterness of that hop just going. Yeah. Because like you said, when you try to do a single hop, you have to put so much more into it. That could be the reason for that. Yeah, that's why I was so intrigued by the fact that this is a, a citra only beer because Every time I've looked up citra hops, it says that it imparts a harsh bitterness. So I was like, oh, how are they going to, you know, have figure out how to balance it? And I will say it is a very bitter beer. But that being said, I'm enjoying this. I feel like for the summertime, this is refreshing. Like it, I, I could see myself drinking a few of these outside. Like, <laughs> No, it is. It is tropical. It's definitely... <laughs> You can say it is very bitter. It is very bitter in the terms of like, oh, wow, this is a Citra IPA. Mm-hmm. But it's not bitter in terms of like, we're going for the bitter beer. Like, it's yeah. not as biting as quite a few beers I've had that are so hop focused and so 
here's the hops Poof, trying to yeah. punch you in the face, which mm-hmm. I like that. I yeah. do like that in beers. I, I, you know me, I love everything there is to be bitter and sour. Yep. Bitter, sour, spicy. That's me. Don't know why. Never was really into sweet stuff. But I wouldn't say this is, this isn't something that someone not like me, someone who, or, or, or even someone like you, who's not like huge on bitter, like not like looking for it. No. This is a pleasant amount of bitter. Mm-hmm. This is just that first initial, ooh, of like an IPA. And then it gives way to that crispness. And it's so clean in that it's just the one hop mm-hmm. that you don't have. Although you have a little bit of that berry coming through, you don't have a lot of these complex flavors going through. You can just drink it on a summer's day and sip and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But really, it's definitely a citra beer, first and foremost. Yeah. This beer is kind of like, hey, this is what citra tastes like. But here's some stuff to stop it from being super bitter. I think that's <laughs> that's what the other flavors are really there for. It's first and foremost, I think, just a refreshing citra beer. Agreed. You want to talk about this? Fun can. The Guayabera can. Absolutely. So Cigar City Brewing, their logo's on the bottom of the can if you haven't seen it before. It's a very kind of classic branding. Yeah. It's got that kind of oblong circle. It says Cigar City Brewing with the brewing on the bottom. Cigar City kind of wrapping around the top. In between both words are the dashes. Sorry to interrupt. I was actually, now that you mentioned it, I was surprised to see that they were only established in the early 2000s because it looks like because it's so the older. logo looks classic yeah yeah it it looks like the it looks like it was established at least in the 80s or 90s yeah not 2009 mm-hmm. inside of the cigar city brewing logo is a cigar obviously <laughs> and it says inside of it says hecho amano born in tampa florida so obviously hecho amano for those who don't know spanish means made by hand or handmade is okay. its direct translation. Yep, no. So I think that's them trying to say like, A, cigars, probably they're probably going for a Cuban feel mm-hmm. uh, since they're Tampa, Florida and stuff like that. Yup. So they got the cigar. Cigars are generally the best ones are handmade. Mm-hmm. That also kind of translate in their brewery, I'm sure, of like being like, hey, this is made by hand. This is craft brewing. This mm-hmm. is actually people, not like a big corporation or whatever. Although they're a large brewery. Yeah. The can itself is pretty fun. It's very colorful. It's a turquoise blue border on the bottom, which is squares and dashes, covering the entire bottom of this 12-ouncer, this uh, regular uh, can. On that band, it says IBUs 50, alcohol by volume 5.5, brewed with citra hops, drink fresh, do not age. So this beer is not one to age. Mm. You talked about how they didn't list any IBUs. Yeah. It it was it wasn't on the website, but look how look how like it's just it's in there. Like you 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 really have to look for that. Damn it, I failed. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I forgive you this time. Yeah. Uh, above the band from the bottom, it is a turquoise yellow, almost like it's a very tropical yellow green. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inside that are turquoise green colors of. Very artistic hop kind of creatures. Yeah. What looks like a rabbit, a hoppy rabbit, a hop rooster, actual hops, some flowers, more hops. And of course, on the very top is an actual Guayabara shirt. So that's kind of cool. And they're all kind of just like there. It's like a little mismatch kind of montage design, Mm -hmm. all part of each other. And then in the center of the can, you have an almost like handwritten font in a blue. That's what I really is enjoy. Guayabera Citra Pale Ale. That's kind of what drew me because the, the box is designed the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in the liquor store, I saw those colors and I saw that logo and I was like, oh, like the, it just it looks 
fun. The colors are definitely amazing. The colors are super tropical, which is amazing mm-hmm. advertising for a if you're in a Florida summer beer. Yeah, ever you're in Florida, you're visiting Florida, which is great for them because in terms of tourism, mm-hmm. so many tourists go to Cigar City or go to Florida. Yeah, and obviously they a lot go more go to Orlando, but a lot go to Tampa as well. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of tourists there seeing Cigar City Brewing wanting Cigar City Brewing when you go back home, if your beer is good enough and go, I want that because I was in Tampa or I was here or there. Same with like New York City breweries. If you can do well and get the tourists into your brewery, Mm -hmm. their word of mouth might spread enough to help get your beer across the country. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're in almost every 39 states and a dozen other international markets. Like that's that's because they're in a great spot. Yeah. Along with having great beer. Yep. And then this can, of course, obviously is tropical style. So when you see it at home, in like Southern Connecticut and we're looking for summertime beers. We're like, boom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But when you're in Florida, it's always summertime, basically. Yep. No matter what you say, Floridians, <laughs> uh, 60 degrees is not cold. Bite me. Uh, <laughs> you know, they'll be into that too. Cause it's just yeah. got this feel of like Florida of, of relaxation. These tropical f- looks are what kind of drives you to things because people want to feel relaxed. Like they're on vacation at all times. Mm-hmm. So that's a great driving force in terms of the colors. And what I like is the what you're what you're talking about the the band along the bottom and then the the main color along the top is kind of their thing. So if you go on their website, which is cigarsittingbrewing.com, they actually the way that you select what beer you want to learn about is the can has the color stripes. Oh, that's cool. Right? Just really uh very minimalist. Minimalist, yeah. But every can has their signature colors on on the website, as and that's what you choose. And almost all the colors are very tropical anyway, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. matter what can you're choosing. But that is really cool. Yeah. Then they have a smaller Cigar City Brewing logo, which is a little bit funkier outline, but just says CCB in the center. Same colors and everything. Yeah. Kind of the truncated version. Yeah. But yeah, I love the can. I love how tropical it looks. Yeah. And I love the writing. It's very reminiscent of our own crack one open writing, like mm-hmm. trying to go for that like 90s kind of like, hey, we're fun feel. <laughs> so, yeah, I really like this beer. I really like that it's citra focused and really hoppy. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed. I can't taste more of the lime and berry. Yeah. But if it's just there to tone down the citra, I understand. True. Very true. But I was really and excited. I'll definitely I like, be ah. uh, experimenting with one of the cans to, to Drop squeeze, a, lime squeeze in a little bit of lime in there. <laughs> that was Guayabera Citra Pale Ale from Cigar City Brewing. You can pick it up in 39 out of 50 states, <laughs> plus 12 international uh, territories. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Pick yours up today. Today. Anyway, you got anything else to say about Cigar City Brewing? I do not, but I figured a nice segue into our next talking point is to mention that Cigar City also happens to have a a club, a membership that you can join called the El Catador Club. Ooh. Um, so you get a lot of special perks with that. And uh, moving on, we, we're going to talk about the another special membership that we belong to that we've enjoyed our one of our first or you enjoyed your, That's right. your first perk. <laughs> <laughs> this past weekend. So moving on from Cigar City Brewing, we, I recently went to the Two Roads Cellar Dwellers first event. So for those who don't know, Two Roads Brewing, which we talk about all the time, it's in all Southern Connecticut. <laughs> it is also available in quite a few states around the country now. Yeah, I, don't I don't know, know how the exact many, but they right are now, but 
constantly expanding. Absolutely, which is cool. Yep. Two Roads is led by Phil uh, Brewmaster Phil Markowski, mm-hmm. who basically wrote the book on American farmhouse ales. Yep. He's uh, which is weird because I hate saisons. <laughs> He's basically the reason Elise and I got into craft beers and stuff because we were going to Two Roads all the time and yeah. learning about beers. Before that, we were just drinking all the... We don't talk about the dark times. The dark times. <laughs> <laughs> so they have recent, Two Roads has recently introduced the Cellar Dwellers Club, which unfortunately came out in March. Yep, right before, right before the COVID shit hit All the this fan. stuff happened. So I was lucky enough to go to their final, their final event where they launched the Cellar Dwellers. Yep. Uh, I became cellar dweller number 15, which is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, they haven't been able to do a lot of the stuff they promised, which were basically like special events, discounts on events, which unfortunately were all pretty much canceled this yep. year. They usually have at, at least an event every two months that, yeah. that we would have been able to take advantage of. But that damn, damn COVID. Yep. And... You get a 20% discount on your, you get a discount on your merch and you get a, believe a 20% discount on your area two beer. I think we've talked before, Two Roads put out a second brewery called Area Two. Mm-hmm. It is on what's now called the Two Roads campus. So they're a, they're a brewery, Two Roads is a brewery, same brewmaster, but they work really well with each other. Yeah. Um, two very different breweries, mm-hmm. but they, they complement each other. Yes. Yeah. Two Roads is more traditional, not traditional beers, but- Area two is more really weird stuff and, and sour focused. Experimental. And experimental. What, yeah. And area uh, regular two roads is more focused on the beers you like IPAs and sours and stouts and kolsches and ales and lagers. Mm-hmm. All the stuff you really know about already yeah. that aren't like too weird and out there. So recently they finally put out their first beer just for cellar dwellers, which is going to be a, mm-hmm. it's a special version of a beer they're going to put out to the public a little later on called their goose beer. Mm-hmm. And this goose beer is like a sour that goes through some fermentation. And the reason it's taken so long for the cellar to get our bottle, which is really cool, is this bottle is filled with three-year-old, two-year-old, and one-year-old fermentation um, that's happening in their fooder barrels mm-hmm. at Two Roads, which we talked about fooder barrels and how they're aged and built, handmade built. Yep. So Area 2 has these huge fooder barrels inside of their facility. Gigantic. Mm-hmm. So... They've been what they've been doing the whole time is they've been aging them and they've had different barrels. So our varietal is fifty some over fifty percent. I think fifty six percent three year old. Okay, and then the rest is two year old and one year old goose. Mm-hmm. The public goose that they'll get is going to be two year old and one year old goose mm-hmm. with a little bit of three year old goose put in, but not as much. Just a just a just a, just like a splash apparently, <laughs> just a little bit. So it was really cool to be able to have this beer that's three years old. It's literally older than the brewery itself. Yeah. Area two is only two years old. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yep. or no, area two, I think is only one year old. It's a little yeah, over we, a year old because we went to the one year celebration one year where old, I got yeah. the Cellar Rose membership. So before this even broke ground. They were be planning built, that far ahead. They were planning that far ahead in area one. They had bought the fooders to start doing mm-hmm. some stuff and that fooder had goose. And what's really awesome is we're having, we had some of that. So we went to the event was on Area 2's rooftop, which was really cool because mm-hmm. their rooftop bar is awesome. It uh, is. It's very enjoyable. It's got a nice view of Stratford and uh, it's just a nice vibe. Yeah, I don't know about the view. The view could be better because a lot of the roof, the roof of the brewery is facing industri- that way. Well, I mean, Stratford is, that area is kind of industrial. But you're not seeing but- any of Stratford. You're seeing the rooftop. Yeah. It's still nice to be outside. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you, you do get to see if you're on the, the first roof level, you do get to see the woods, which they have That's to take true. care of. Yeah. But then when you're on the main top upper roof level, which I was which on, is, isn't that, you don't get to see as much. Yeah. They're part of the effort to like clean up that area. Too, they have to right? conserve that area. Yeah. That's that like cons- that conservation. Part land. Yeah. That was part of the deal. That wetland had to be conserved or taken care of by them. And then up on the, so we were up on the roof. We mm-hmm. had Breton Noir, which is an old beer, which was one of their first beers area to put out. Yep. Was available for tasting, which was awesome. So I got one of those. You got drink tickets. Mm-hmm. I was able to drink a, their table terror, which I'd never had before. Terror. Or maybe I had once. Terror. And that was really nice. It's a farmhouse, all Connecticut grown material. It's completely in-house, in-state. Just a, it's just an ale. Yeah. But it was really interesting because it, because it was all in the state and stuff like that. It had a little mm-hmm. bit of a farmhouse vibe. Yeah. So it had a little bit of Saison in it, but not like a ton. Yeah. It's not overwhelming. But it was, that was a nice, that was a nice beer, which I usually just kind of ignored mm-hmm. as like a standard beer. Yeah. It's actually really nice to drink in the summertime. Yeah. I would absolutely well, get that again. Well, it's also extreme. It's like, it's like 3.7 ABV. It's like, oh, it's, super basi- it's basically a soda. I think that's why they handed us all bottles <laughs> so as we walked in. it's super easy to drink. Yeah. So we got that as we walked in and three drink tickets to drink more. Plus I got our tastings. Mm-hmm. So I went, after I finished that, I had my Breton Noir which is an amazing, amazing sour uh, ale. Super, super like suck your cheek in kind of beer. Mm -hmm. And then Phil came out from the the brewmaster of the brewery and talked about this goose. fangirling? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm I'm pretty jealous. (laughs) Because part of the reason that we were so excited to get the Cellar Dweller uh, membership is that pre-COVID, we were supposed to be allowed a plus one. So I was going to be attending all of these events with him but right one of the perks was where i didn't have to get much like with the dockside lifetime membership i got mm-hmm. for the most part you get a plus one so yeah. you don't need two and we ain't rich so we're not buying two memberships per brewery so <laughs> we ain't rich yet yet so yeah unfortunately because of restrictions we weren't allowed to bring multi- uh, plus ones this time yeah which is understandable, just a little disappointing for me yeah. personally. <laughs> Since they ended up on the roof, there would not have been enough room. No, it is it mm. is a slim space. But it was really cool to hear Phil talk about this beer and how he put them in the fooders. And he yeah. did do these three, two and one year beers, which all were fermented in the fooders. Mm-hmm. And to make the goose like you were describing the fooders and that the whole time I was thinking like, yeah, oh, man. My professor told, taught me all this. <laughs> and I think when we, the the episode that we talked about fooders, if you are interested in learning more about them, was actually Area 2 Second Life. It was, yep. <laughs> Just a few episodes ago, I think maybe 42, 41, 42. So. Yeah. No, it was really cool because I was like, ah, at least taught me all this. <laughs> so he's only going to bring the fooder down to about 50% capacity, even with all the beers mm-hmm. they've bottled. And this is including the public goose that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And start again with a new beer with that kind of fermentation going on to keep that bacteria alive and healthy and Mm -hmm. and growing to make more beers. And because of this, it'll take less time. But what he said is he can't guarantee it'll be next year or the year after or, you know, six months. Area two's philosophy, which I had never heard. This is the first time I hear is the beer is done when it's done. Yeah. So. Which must be nice when you have I mean, a brewery like Area Area One. I kind of got that vibe when when we were doing the interview at Dockside with Andy, and he was talking about his fooder, which he was talking about like it's like it's like precious baby, which is adorable. But I feel like the way he was talking was, yeah, the beer will tell you when it's ready, as opposed to a more traditional uh, style, which has a a pretty set time frame, right? Which I think is 
is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool saying. And something like two roads where there are bigger brewery, but then you think about, okay, this is area two. It's a separate thing. Mm-hmm. So it's very lucky that a place like area two can exist because of the success of two roads and the, the main campus, because without that, I don't think area two could live on hundred percent of their beers mm-hmm. are, it'll be ready when it's ready. Yeah. Like the beer will tell us. So these fooders he's putting the new beer on, obviously because he's already fermented will be quicker but they might not be that quick. They could yeah. be six months. They could be a year. They could be more or less. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to hear all about that. And then the goose itself was phenomenal. Absolutely out of this world. One of the best things that Area 2 had put out. Mm-hmm. The sourness was just at the edge of being so like, because Area 2 puts out sour stuff that isn't too sour for me personally, but it's too sour for my body <laughs> and gives me heartburn pretty much immediately. Aww. But this beer hit just that limit before heartburn. And it was just perfect in body and mind, I guess ah, you would say. I'm so excited to try it. It had a little bit of a pear vibe, like the the pear lambic. The pear lambic. Yeah, so it had oh, a little bit of that, that pear, so that, la- that pearness without the over sweetness of that pear. Mm-hmm. But it did remind me of that a little bit with that crispness. It was crisp mm-hmm. because it didn't have this dark berry fruit. I think a stone fruit really yeah. there to back it up. Mm-hmm. So it's really all about that sourness, really all about that bacteria, really all about that kind of lambic kind of goose style taking for, for, uh, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It was really fantastic. So we had our little sampler glass, which we got to take home. No, I love it. Phil <laughs> it's so cute. Asked a couple questions and said that this is a beer that keeps because this beer is fermented. So unlike a lot of beer at Two Roads and, and other beer, even the Guayabara beer we had here is not meant to be aged. In fact, it says on yeah. the side of the can, it says drink fresh, do not age. Yeah. Certain beers, just because it's beer and it's got alcohol does not mean it's fermented. Yeah. So the yeast and the yeast that's in beer that creates the alcohol with the sugar, once it eats the sugar, does not, it's not the same as a fermentation process. But because the fooders and stuff create this bacterium and they have this bacteria that does ferment, that is safe. That is fermented. That is drinkable over time mm-hmm. and will age well or terribly. No <laughs> one really knows. It depends on the bacterium in the beer. So what's awesome is Phil recommended, you know, this beer will get better with time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is now, but it's going to be different six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, three years, four years from now, five years from now. Mm-hmm. You don't know how it'll change, but it will probably change Yeah, in the bottle fermented. And it's safe to keep as long as you don't you keep it in a cool, dry place. Keep it in a cool, dry, dark place. Dark place, yes. Uh, it's it's going to change over time. Mm-hmm. So one one of the cool things was I got to ask him about that. Mm-hmm. I I was like, so as soon as he said that, I knew I was buying the maximum out of the private <laughs> goose. So you got two bottles as a salad dwellers menu member, which is really cool. Yeah, that's on top of the event, which gave me three free beer tickets to begin with. Yeah, and a free beer when I started. So I got four free beers in the event plus the tasting. Mm-hmm. already paid like that event was already pretty much paid for yeah i mean that's, oh, that's sure. awesome um so if they do a few more of that within my membership which they increase the lifetime of my membership is kind of like prorated because of you know the the three months that we were essentially not even allowed at the brewery correct so even if with just those events mm-hmm. that's Subscription model is paid for. Yeah, this membership is paid for itself. Plus, I got two awesome Teku glasses. Plus, I got a official Cellar Dwellers t-shirt that they don't sell on the brewery itself. Plus, I get the discounts on the beer I buy yep. at the brewery at the Hop Yard or to take out from mm-hmm. the brewery. 
if I buy the bottles there, not at the liquor store, obviously, but I get that 20% discount. Yep. Plus, if they did any events, I'd also get a discount. Yeah. So they are still planning to do their Halloween event this year. Okay. Yep. Rosemary's Baby. The Rosemary's Baby event. Probably because it's not as busy because it's colder. And it's also outside. And it's outside, so it's safer. Discounted tickets for that event. So mm-hmm. basically, as long as I keep get, if I get a few more of these Goose type events, the events, I've already paid for my discount. Yeah. Plus, I've been buying beer to go for a while now, mm-hmm. even when we were uh, quarantined and stuff. So we were good. Mm-hmm. So that was all pretty dope. And then one thing that wasn't even announced uh, when we went there was that we were, Phil said we were going to get to try something out of another fooder he's got. Um, and it was called, it's going to be called Europa. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> it's a beer that's not coming out until November. So it's, it's pretty much ready for, it was pretty much ready for tasting, but it didn't go through any kind of like, it wasn't carbonated yet or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it was in a fooder, so it wasn't chilled, but he comes back up with a couple of giant pitchers and mm-hmm. fills up little tasting glasses and he hands it to everybody. And he talks about this beer, which was amazing. So it's essentially like a Flanders red in a fooder. Yeah. And like a red wine and fooder. They, they put a, they put out their Flanders red or their version of the Flanders red a couple months ago, at least. Well, a couple months ago from... A couple of months before March. Yes. So they probably put it out in late we, January, early February. Yeah. And Started that, this year. That in and of itself is a fantastic, delicious beer. The The way that it evolves in in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just so interesting. We were talking about it when, when we were there because I, I met up with you after the event wrapped up and we enjoyed a few more beers together. But that Flanders Red. That that has to be one of my favorite Area 2 exclusive creations. I, I know I mentioned a couple episodes back that Urban Funk is one of my favorite unique Two Roads beers, but that isn't exclusively Area 2. Well, that's the other thing. What's another beer that, well, Urban Funk is now Area 2. Yes, technically, but it didn't start It didn't out start as there. So another beer that didn't start at Area 2, but mm-hmm. is now kind of an Area 2 beer is the Philsomic. Yes. Which was one of your favorites as well. It was. And this is from when Two Roads first started. This is their first year. Back in 2012. This is like him basically going, but I get to do a weird one. Yeah. So I first had it during its release at one of my best friend's family parties where, because her stepfather happens to already be a Two Roads fan at that time before we were really even into the the craft beer scene yeah but we were going to two roads at that point but yeah yeah we were very new to it um well, so that everybody was here it wasn't their first year <laughs> yeah well I'm, I'm just talking about craft beer in general okay but having philsomic at that time was so, it was like whiplash in terms of like what the beer that i was used to it was so interesting and so unique and i loved it and almost everyone else at the party hated it so i was like all right <laughs> this is my jam so when you mentioned that this was like a huge influence on the europa i was like yes well i didn't tell the people that yet oh sorry mm-hmm. go ahead but yes <laughs> <laughs> but so this flanders red has philsomic mm-hmm. as at least gushes about it but didn't tell us what it was which i was hoping <laughs> she would is a balsamic vinaigrette beer Basically. And why no one liked it at the time and why I thought I don't like balsamic vinaigrette. Full disclosure. Yeah. But at the time, regardless of that, it was this weird sour beer years before sour beers kind of became the norm, at least around here. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, almost. Yeah. 
So flash forward, you know, eight, nine years, it's kind of become the norm. People like Phil Simon. People like the urban funk. People like, I talk about Geyser Goes all the time. Mm-hmm. And Two is a sour. Oh, we did a whole Hermit Thrushes, a brewery that's just sour. All sours. So it's kind of become this more accepted, more beloved thing that it just took time to catch on. People's palates had to develop for it. Yeah. A flavor for it. And so this philosomic kind of creation is in his Flanders Red that he created earlier this year. So it's kind of like a combination in a fooder aged and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And it was spectacular. It was fruity and berry forward, just like a Flanders Red. It was just like everything red berry all put into one. And I was just like, (laughs) oh, and then- that tanginess, the tartness, that like, oof, when you get like a balsamic vinaigrette in your salad, and you're just mm-hmm. like, whoa, which again, I'm not a huge fan of, but still like. I am. <laughs> the feel, the feeling of a balsamic vinaigrette is interesting. And I like that because I like soury kind of things. Mm-hmm. So the feeling of it's really nice. And that's what you get. It doesn't taste like salad dressing. No. It's that sensation that you get along with the sensation of a sour, along with the flavors of so many so many fresh berries Mm -hmm. and i got that even in this early form i mean it's not going to be bottled and ready to go until november that's crazy so we're talking you know i'm three four months ahead on this beer drinking Mm -hmm. it and i'm still i can already tell where it's going yeah and i'm drinking it warm and flat so did they talk about why it's called europa no oh just curious i don't believe europa's red at all the, the moon. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know much about Europa, the uh, in mythology. I'd have to look that up. Uh, I was thinking more in terms of Jupiter's moon mm-hmm. <laughs> or Saturn's moon. I was like, mm, that's not what Europa looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was just an amazing experience to get to try all that. And then I asked Phil, when you're aging these beers or when you're drinking this beer, like I buy the goose, when should I have it? When would you recommend? Mm-hmm. So he's like, it really depends on taste. He didn't really want to give a straight answer, I think, because mm-hmm. he knows other people's palates are different. Yeah. But basically what I was able to get out of him was if you're nervous about trying beer that's too old, have it in six months. But if you are able to wait, if you're patient, have it once a year. Make sure you know what the other one tasted like before and then have it once a year to see how it evolves as you go. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm all in. I went down. <laughs> you were able to buy a couple things from Area 2 during an event. So I bought, I got my two free bottles and then I got my four bottles I was able to buy of the Cellar Dwellers exclusive goose. And then I bought a bottle of the public goose too to kind of compare and see what Mm -hmm. it's like. So you and I, I don't know if we're going to do an episode about it, but we'll do a tasting. Yeah. This, we'll both go over the private Cellar Dwellers goose, what we think about it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll do that compared to the public goose as well in that episode. And then I'll have to look up what a a goose is because it's, it's just, it's funny. The name is, and I didn't know say. how to pronounce it at first. <laughs> I finished my table to Aurora and we were not ready to go on the tasting yet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, should I get another beer yet? Should I wait? So I asked one of the helper, one of the helper uh, ladies. I don't, I don't think she was a wait. I think she was a public events manager. I was like, she was just coming around taking orders. And I was like, well, I don't want to get one if it's too soon. I was like, well, when does the event start for the, uh, the stuff? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like 20 minutes or whatever. And I was like, okay, I didn't call it the name because I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, because it's, it's be spelled what, like G-U-E-Z-E, yeah. yeah. So I didn't want to call it the Gooezy because I was pretty sure that's not how you said it. But then he said Goose and I'm like, that's the right. silliest name ever. Yep. So that's why I keep saying Goose now because I Goose. love that name. But yeah, no, the event is amazing. It's a Cellar Dwellers Club. If you're listening and you're in Connecticut or like close to two roads, like that's drivable. 
absolutely get it. The 20% discount on area two beers pays for itself. Kind of the discounts on special events when they, everything opens back up again, you're going to save your money right there. That's why you and I were like, yeah, yeah absolutely. no question. Between the like four we, or five yeah, events we, we go to, every we go year, to done. almost every event they put on every year. Yeah, so it's <laughs> so. it's already done. The two glasses, the T-shirt, and these private events with with Phil are just awesome. Yeah, where you get to learn from someone who's considered a master at his craft, mm-hmm. really talking about this stuff. And you know, I'm part of the Dockside Lifetime membership as well, mm-hmm. and that's worth it as well. I mean, we got to talk to Andy because we interviewed him, which was awesome. But if but a we'll lifetime member will be making a beer with them later on, yeah. which is really with cool the, yeah. and doing private events and really speaking to people about beer. If you love beer and you're in your local brewery and there's a, a club to join, Consider I would say it. go for it. Yeah. Consider it, especially, you know, as long as they're putting out stuff that if you like them a lot and it's a value to you, if learning about beer is a value to you, it's almost certainly worth it depending yeah. on the price. And I know Tribus, which we have not gotten into, has a club as well. Yeah, it just sells out so fast. It just just sells out. But we are, Tribus, if you're listening, I know we talk about Tribus Brewery a lot as well because it's (laughs) close to us and in our hometown. We will join the tribe when we are able to get a spot into the tribe. (laughs) But like that, that, that kind of stuff is really cool. And the ability to really learn more about beer, which is a very interesting subject, is totally worth it. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I got. Very cool. So, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. And maybe subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandwineopen.com or on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandwineopen. Or just shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions because we want to hear from you. We also love free stuff. I don't think I stress <sighs> that enough. Oh my God. If you're a brewery, please. We like stuff. And if you have a suggestion for a beer, please. If you're a brewery, yeah, we just want suggestions. We'll it. It's really hard going to the same liquor store every week and finding something new and interesting Whoa, to go from. We go to different but- liquor stores, but also <laughs> the one we go to primarily is huge. So. Yeah. so you got any plugs? I might have a couple. <laughs> so I've got Forgotten Cinema I do with my buddy Mike Field. It's a podcast about forgotten films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because the new movie was released that kind of overshadowed it or the audience didn't catch on to it in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie what we don't love and why we think it was forgotten fun facts about its production and uh all that jazz forgotten cinema is available every wednesday wherever you get your podcasts or on forgotten cinema podcast.com we're also on the social medias at forgotten cinema pod i've also got two player bros i do with my buddy dave cannon it's about two guys who play way too many video games join me and my buddy dave as we talk about news previews reviews for the hottest video games and the hottest systems <laughs> i mean we're talking xbox playstation switch pc vr we've got them all we play them all so we talk them all and then every other week we do a 2pb post game so in the post game episodes we'll do a deep dive on some awesome classics where we talk about how they were made and our thoughts on the game or we'll talk about some new game that was just released and we'll talk about our thoughts and reviews on that game and focus entirely on that game two player bros is available on twoplayerbros.com you can also find us on the social medias at two player bros and you can listen to the podcast wherever podcasts are available and a special thanks for our theme which was composed and performed by joe reichert until next time cheers, cheers. Good ding.